This morning, we want to talk about evangelism. And uh, my title of uh, uh, the sermon is um, called God's Role in Evangelism and Ours. So um, last week, we announced that we are about to bring in this short uh, message series uh, called Hope Explored. Um, And today, we are four weeks away from Easter Sunday, and uh, every year, the Easter season is a time when our church and the church worldwide celebrates the victory of life over death with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He died on a cross, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead. It is often the time when those who don't yet know Jesus become curious of our faith. Um, And so, you know, it's high time for us to come together and celebrate this as a church. Uh, But it's also a great time for us to be reminded of this hope that we have in Jesus and how we can share this hope with the people around us. And so at EEC here, we want to take two Sundays leading up to Easter and then Easter Sunday to remind ourselves and those of us who are learning about Jesus for the very first time to explore this Christian hope we have in Jesus and to find out what it's all about. Today, uh, we're going to talk about the roles we have in evangelism. Now, we talk and share about uh, Christian faith with this word, this word called evangelism, okay? Like, we use it a lot. Sometimes we, uh, people who are introduced to this term, uh, they're confused with the term. Sometimes they uh, actually have an animosity against this term uh, because of how it's uh, sometimes related to colonialism and oppression around the world um, in in, in our world history. But what does this word really mean? Well, the root of this word evangel means good news, glad tidings, or what we usually say, the gospel. And evangelism is the act of sharing the gospel or the good news of this good tiding with others. That's evangelism. So for those of us who are Christians already, um, we know that before Jesus ascended to heaven, He left us with some of us what now called the Great Commission. And here's what's written in Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Can we read this together? Then Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So from this verse, we see that the followers of Jesus are being sent out, or what we call commissioned, by Jesus himself to bring this good news about his victory over death to all the nations so that more people can follow Jesus. Now, in the end of his speech, Jesus makes sure that his disciples know that they will not be doing this alone. In fact, he says, 
that he will be with them always until the end of this world as we know it. And who is this Jesus? Well, he's the one who holds authority in heaven and on earth. He is the almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So when we talk about evangelism, no matter what you've learned from your history books um, or other people, it really is about following Jesus by bringing his good news to people who have not yet heard it. That's evangelism. But as straightforward as it can be taught, many of us know that sharing the good news can sometimes be not easy. Yes, we can be pumped up about how this marvelous and awesome gospel has transformed our lives, but sometimes when we share it with other people, we're often met with rejection. Sometimes people uh, hate us for sharing this with them. We can become discouraged. I know some of us have parents, have um, children, have relatives, have friends who we have tried over and over again um, sharing this good news with them only to be met with apathy, which means I don't care, or rejection, I don't want it. Well, if you live in this reality, you're not alone. And I think most of us know that. In fact, Let's take a moment to recall in your minds this moment. Let's, let's just, um, I, I want to invite us to just close our eyes and just recall in our minds. In fact, if the hospitality desk can just pass uh, a little card to all of us um, and pens as well. I, I want us to visualize at least one person whom you have tried to share the gospel, this good news with in the past. This is a person whom you love. This is a person whom you want to introduce Jesus to. But you're like, I tried, but it, it doesn't seem to work. So just, just take a moment, remember who this person or people are, and just write down their names. I know we're in digital age, and some of us can just pull up the phone and do that. But sometimes getting a real pen and writing something down actually does something to our brain because we just don't do it often enough. So let's just do that. And um, in this moment, to think about uh, the people that God is leading you to right now. And while we're doing that, um, I want to pray for us this morning. Father God, this morning we want to come before you and, um, and those of us who are Christians, we want to yeah, just recognize the difficulty that we have faced in the past of sharing this good news to the people around us. We want to come before you with honesty to admit that we feel discouraged. That sometimes we even feel like this is useless, hopeless. Why am I even doing this? But God, Holy Spirit, we want to come before you 
And we want to ask that you change us this morning, that you encourage us, that through your word today, you'll help us to understand who you really are. And that God, in your mercy, in your grace, you desire for those who you've put in our minds right now to also know the gospel, to also be saved. So help us partner with you on this journey and open our eyes to the understanding of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. One of Jesus' followers, his name is Paul, many of you know of him, wrote a letter to the church in a place called Corinth. And in that letter, Paul wrote something to encourage believers in their efforts in sharing the good news of Jesus with others inside the city. And so today we're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, and see what encouragement we can find from it. Since we are nicely s- spread out here, can I invite everyone here to read the first uh, two uh, verses, and then everyone in the middle to read the next two verses, and the last group here to read the, the last two verses. So let's start together. Uh, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that display the glory of God who is the image of God. And finally, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Thank you. The main point of my sermon today is this, that we trust God to transform hearts out of his mercy by sharing the gospel truthfully. And the message will be divided into two parts to answer these two questions. What is God's role in evangelism? And what is ours? First, let's look at what God's role is in evangelism. Now, we read from verse 6, highlighted here, that says, God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Paul is referring to us as in Christians. Our hearts were once in darkness. We could not see the truth. And it was until God shined his light in our hearts where we then able to realize who Jesus really is. Now, to better appreciate the depth of this verse, we can ask, who actually started the church in Corinth? 
Tell me, who started the church in, in, in Corinth? Yeah, it was Paul himself who started it. In the book of uh, Acts, in chapter 18, verse for, uh, 1 to 11, uh, which I will not show on the slides, but it tells us about how Paul, during his second missionary trip, went to Corinth and got to know people like Aquila and Priscilla, and then later how he partnered with Silas and Timothy to preach the gospel to the people in the city. And even though Paul was the one who first shared the gospel with these people who are now part of the church of Corinth, he admits here in this letter to the church that really it was God who made them understand the good news. If it wasn't God giving his light of the knowledge to people in Corinth, they would not have understood the truth. That Jesus displays God's glory. In other words, Jesus is God himself. In fact, Paul is also speaking from his own conversion experience. Again, uh, citing back to Acts, before he was a Christian, Paul was a Jewish religious leader who actually hated Christians. He thought that Christians were people who needed to be punished, that needed to uh, be punished for, for spreading lies about this Jesus. But one day when he was traveling on the road to a place called Damascus, on his way to capture and punish Christians, a bright light from heaven flashed around him. Paul then asked, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And then he was told, I am Jesus. That was the moment when Paul realized who Jesus really is, that he is God, and the good news of Jesus was not a lie, but in fact, the truth. Well, as for me, uh, I didn't see any bright light uh, when I became a Christian I remember just simply as a random Saturday morning um, during my teenage years. But my mom was reading some parts of the Bible and sharing his, her, her thoughts with me. And I don't know, something just struck me. And I felt something was missing in my life at that point. And at that moment, I felt compelled to just recognize Jesus as Lord of my life, not just the life of my parents. I hungered for developing a personal relationship with this Jesus who claims to love me. And so that's, that's it for me. That was my conversion. I simply wanted to begin this journey, this relationship with Jesus. What was your experience? Do you recall the moment that you realized who Jesus really is? Well, if we as Christians today, sitting here listening to this, can experience that, then why doesn't everyone else just get it? You know, what is this darkness that the, the Scripture tells us that we are that we were all that in and blinds us from seeing the truth of the gospel? Well, Paul writes in verse four here: the God of this age, what has blind has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is, in, who is the image of God. Paul reminds believers that there is a spiritual force here referred to as the God of this age that blinds us from the truth. Now, here's how uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson 
interprets this verse uh, in his uh, a version of the Bible called The Message. Here's what he writes. All they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness. They think he can give them what they want, but that they won't have to bother believing a truth they can't see. They're stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message that shines with Christ, who gives us the best picture of God we'll ever get. Now today, whether we call this spiritual force the Satan or the devil, or as Paul puts it, the God of this age, it prevents us from seeing who Jesus really is. We learn from other parts of the Bible too that this spiritual force is known to be a deceiver, a liar, and someone who is against the truth. This spiritual force is invisible to us, but we are told in the Bible that it is a reality. And so Eugene Peterson's interpretation of this verse is that people think the things of this world already satisfy them. They are blinded to see the to only see, they're blinded to only see the here and the now. What they possess now, what they own, their family, their relationships, their achievements, and they're content. They're like, fine, this is good for me. They're content with their current state, and they won't just be bothered in believing in a truth that they cannot see. Well, as a result... They only see Jesus as here and now, perhaps only as a great moral teacher. And the truth about Jesus being the picture, the best picture of God we'll ever get, is lost to them. It was lost to us at one point. But is it our role or responsibility to make people see that Jesus is God? Well, Paul would say no. And it is only when God's light shines in their hearts would they turn from their blindness and recognize the truth about who Jesus is. Okay, so if that's not our role in evangelism, then what is our role? Well, our role as followers of Jesus can be summarized with one word found in verse 5. We preach. We preach. Well, um, I I chose a more positive Chinese translation here, but, you know, in English, when we say we preach, sometimes it's got a lot of negative connotations attached to it. Nowadays, a preacher, unfortunate for me, (laughs) is sometimes referred to as a person who's very long-winded, maybe I am, and self-righteous, hopefully I'm not. Someone who thinks, you know, we're always right and like to correct others and say, you're wrong, you got to do this and that and teach others what to do. That's preaching. Uh, nowadays. So again, it is important that, you know, we understand what we mean when the Bible says preach. Um, The word here, um, it really is talking about an announcement of an important message from a king to his kingdom. In in Chinese, it's it's easily translatable. It's, It's just a message from the king delivered to his subjects, his people. Um, A similar word in English would be a herald or proclaim. 
When we preach, it is about declaring the good news that we have received from God to other people. It's not our own message, you see. When we preach the gospel, it's about just sharing with people what God has given to us. Now, verse 5 clearly says this, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Paul reminds us that this message we share with others is not about us, not about how we're right and they're wrong, not about how well-off we are and how pitiful they are. Paul continues and says this, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. In other words, not only this news is not about us, but we should go about it with an attitude of a servant or slave who is just sharing the message from our master, Jesus. Now, let me pull out this quote, um, a direct quote from the, the materials that we'll be introducing in the coming weeks called Hope Explored. And uh, the person who wrote this, Pastor Rico Tice, writes this, we must remember that the only difference between ourselves and an unbeliever is that God in his mercy has opened our blind eyes and illuminated our hearts by his Holy Spirit. We should be forever grateful and so seek to promote Christ, not ourselves. Let me share this uh, rather, I don't know, I, I thought it was quite funny. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Illustration of evangelism for us to think about. Anyone know of this game? It's kind of like a shocking image, but this is a bit... You can, do you guys know? Okay, all right. <laughs> it's, on, it's on Steam. So <laughs> you, could, you could download it and play it. Um, it's, it's a video game from the 90s called uh, Spiritual Warfare. Um, have you heard of this, John, ever? No? Okay. <laughs> That's probably a blessing. Um, I, I, so I was uh, listening to uh, online uh, uh, conversation between two pastors. Uh, one of them shared his experience growing up and having played this video game. And I looked it up, and apparently it was real. It's an actual game. And in fact, recently, they, uh, instead of the Nintendo and, and Saga consoles, like the, the, the really old ones, they actually made it for Steam, for PC, and people can, can play it again. Um, so it's very low resolution, so, so bear with me as I show some of the, 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 the clips uh, from it. But basically, you play as the main character here, shown at the very bottom. So it's like if you've ever played Mario in its early days, that's sort of like how it looks like as well. You played as that main character, and uh, one of the tasks is that you collect fruits of the Spirit, which in this case are literal fruits. So you collect a pear. So it says here, you found the pear. It is your first fruit of the Spirit, which, by the way, it's not, it's not real fruits for those of us who are not familiar with the scripture. <laughs> but then look at this. Use the A button to throw it. Okay, well, wait, why? Why do you need to throw the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it, it, it becomes more interesting. Then you make your character walk around the map to find bad guys. And guess who the bad guys are? The non-believers. And, and then what you do is that you throw these literal fruits of spirit at the bad guys, and 
then you can see that these bad guys are holding knives and, and you know, I mean, they look bad. And once they're hit with the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, they get zapped. So you can see on the, on the, on the here, they get zapped. And then you see them repent and kneel <laughs> and pray. And then they just disappear or this little dove appears and you collect them for points. All right, I don't know how you guys feel about this. The pastor shared this game that he played as a, as a kid to illustrate his experience growing up in the Christian church. Evangelism was in many ways like throwing pieces of biblical truth at people, at non-believers. Here, you go. You know, these are bad people uh, who are a threat to you. You tell these people that they're doing things wrong. You should do this this way or Otherwise, you will be in hell. And somehow we think that by throwing these biblical truths at people, that they're going to magically repent, convert, and disappear. Now, now, okay, I'm sure the designers of this game have the best intentions to introduce children in the 90s to Christianity in a fun and engaging way but perhaps it also exposes a culture of evangelism that was going on in the church for a period of time. A culture that sees Christians as the good guys and non-Christians as the bad guys that need saving. A culture where preaching the gospel is primarily about throwing the truths to others and correcting people's wrongdoings. A culture where collecting converts, I literally had a friend who, who told me that he keeps a list of how many people he thinks he converted as a scoreboard. Let's ask ourselves, are we Christians really the good guys and the non-believers the only bad guys that need saving? Or are we equally bad in the eyes of God and need just as much saving? Second, is evangelism just about converting people into someone just like us? Or is it about introducing Jesus to people so that they can begin a journey where God slowly transformed their hearts just as we are on a journey where God is slowly transforming ours? Let me pull up the quote again from Hope Explored. We must remember that the only difference between ourselves and an unbeliever is that God, in his mercy, has opened our blind eyes and illuminated our hearts by his Holy Spirit. We should be forever grateful and so seek to promote Christ, not ourselves. Remember the tax collector's prayer that... Um, that was shared a few weeks ago. Instead of promoting himself like the Pharisee next to him, all he said in his prayer was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me. No, no it's not about other people's sin, me, a sinner. 
And Jesus then referred to the tax collector as being justified before God. So likewise, church, Emmanuel Church, evangelism is not about showing off ourselves, but we are to approach it with an attitude of humility, knowing that we are saved only because of God's mercy on us. And when we understand and are at peace with the fact that evangelism is not about how persuasive or how eloquent we are or how effective we are at converting people to for Christ, that only God can transform people's heart and we are simply the messenger, then we can understand why Paul says this in verse 2. He says, we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Then he adds that sharing the gospel with someone is about setting forth the truth plainly. Paul here reminds believers, you and me, to simply proclaim an honest gospel. A gospel that isn't corrupted, mixed in with human wisdom, or watered down to appeal to an audience. But we can be tempted to do all these things. We can. If we step out of our lane as a messenger of God and we feel the need to do what only God can do, which is to transform people's hearts, we cannot transform people's hearts. That is not our role. Only God can. And I figured um, at this point, if I covered every way that we Christians can distort the gospel, this sermon will never end. And so instead, I want to invite us to think of the person you've hopefully written down in your card now. You know, who at the beginning of of the message I I, um, invited you to write down, what is one aspect of the gospel that you think would offend them the most? Think of this person and think about What is one aspect of the gospel that you think would offend them most? Things that would make them angry the most or disgusted the most? Here's a common one. It usually offends people when you tell them that they are sinners who need saving. Or that Jesus is more than just a wise teacher but Jesus really is God. Are you tempted to skip that truth or water it down as you share the gospel with that person? Well, today we learn that God only, not only, um, I should say this, God only cares whether you have been honest with your presentation of the gospel. And that honesty often involves sharing about how sinful of a person you found yourself to be. How sinful you found yourself to be. And that honesty often involves how you realize just how much you need to be saved. And how you then learned about this person called Jesus what he did for you, and how you just want to follow him because of how much he loves you. 
And now it is up to God to reveal who he is to this person. Have you just shared the good news of Jesus with him? This is, this is nothing more, there is nothing more that we can do to change his or her mind about Jesus. Only God can. But what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And at this time, I want to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to sing the song, Battle Belongs. We want to sing it both as a prayer to really ask God to, be, to remind us that ultimately this battle belongs to Him. That we would pray and ask that God would help us to believe in that truth. But we also want to sing it as a declaration, a sense of worship. We want to say, God, thank you that you are the God who changes and transforms hearts. Thank you for transforming, uh, transforming mind. And thank you for being the God who has mercy and grace to transform those that I will be sharing this gospel with. Pass the time back to worship.